Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. Hi, I'm Spencer Hall, and this is the Internet's only college football podcast coming to you live from, I believe, uh, we have a different arrangement of locations tonight. Ryan, Ryan Nanny, typically one of the hosts of this show, will not be joining us. Jason, would you like to explain the unfortunate circumstances affecting Ryan Nanny and so many Americans who live in the most underserved cities of our nation? Unfortunately, New York City does not have the internet yet. Um, once they do get it, we will discover untold cultural riches that are there to be uh, to be to, that just await the brave traveler, such as barbecued meats, uh, such as college football television markets, um, perhaps even a rapper, a rapper from New York City, if you can imagine it. I know no one has heard of such a thing for decades, but who knows what awaits once the internet finally discovers New York City. Those people are going to be unbearable. Probably. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be fine. I know. They've, I'm sure they'll admit where it came from and that it is only something that happens there. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be I'm sure they'll be humble and respectful and acknowledge the rest of our country. That's something only Hicks do. Well, yeah, we have an Arby's right here in New York City. It's the best Arby's. <laughs> We're all trying to be our best selves in the off season, aren't we? Yep, we are, which is why we're focusing on uh, self-improvement in a lot of ways. Um, we're focusing on business opportunities. Jason, for one, are you happy with where you got drafted last week in the NFL draft? Uh, yeah, I, I was one spot ahead of Mr. Irrelevant. So I'm Mr. Least Relevant, which... that was. That was probably Daniel Jones of Duke, right? Because no, sure. <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, the the NFL judged him to be extremely relevant, which is true. I guess he is now. I guess it's a self fulfilling kind of thing. I think he's the first quarterback prospect I've ever seen. Who I'm like, that's just a retweet. That's it. <laughs> Daniel, somebody was just like, please retweet Daniel Jones, and if he gets ten thousand of these, he'll be a first round pick. It's like, yo, my professor said if I get 100,000 likes, <laughs> I get to be. <laughs> I, I think the best joke I saw about him, I don't even know who made it, but was uh, he looks like the dude who was cast to play Eli Manning in the movie about Peyton. <laughs> oh, no. And guess what? He is. <clears throat> That's real. I, I, was sort of thinking, I was sort of thinking that he looked like a second string dude perfect guy. <laughs> No, there's a problem. There's a problem with this. He can't throw stuff. <laughs> if I, what if I give him a hundred tries? He'll complete from, about fifty-three percent. Okay, that's listen. That's better than dude perfect from the upper deck into a trash can, right? With a basketball, I'll take my chances with that, man. <laughs> um, I, uh, Holly, you have focused on another source of self improvement. Hang on, my dad's here. Yep. Hey everybody, say hi to my dad who wants to look at this weird thing on my wrist. Hey dad. Hey dad. Hey. hey. I got bit by something unidentified, y'all. It's a Tennessee summer already. Oh hell yeah. Um, so you are you're focusing on self improvement via literature, right? Guys, I'd like to introduce tonight the shutdown full cast book club, for which I don't have a pun because I'm just too too blown away by the material I've come to share. Mm-hmm. Go on. 
And I was trying to think about how to, how to go about doing this. And I've decided that what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop the link to our first selection in the Slack. And I'm going to let you guys react to this in real time. And then I'm going to tell our audience what exactly it is we're all looking at. I'm playing, I'm playing your theme song as requested. For book club. Yeah, as I would like to, I'd like to introduce this first episode of Shutdown Full Cast Book Club, uh, Full Brains, Full Casts, by celebrating with Garth Brooks' anthem about "Thank God for My Hot Wife." <laughs> and the reason for that will be explained shortly. All right, I'm about to open. I'm you guys look, I want you to look at this book while our audience absorbs the music for a minute, and you guys just react as yet, however you see fit. Oh no, 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 no. This this is very bad. This is very much bad. Sometimes I think. Um. So this is the name of this book that No, no, I'm going to narrate. Okay, you you take us away. I'm I'm a little <laughs> flabbergasted. You you go ahead and keep reading. Uh I'd like to thank internet user Carta Monier for bringing this to our attention. With the book Souls Don't Lie: A True Story of Past Lives, which the back of the book says, this is a thrilling romance adventure from the 17th century, but it's also true. Jenny Smedley's life was changed in the second she recognized a past life soulmate in American country music singer Garth Brooks. Under hypnosis, she began to recall the life they shared together in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Memories came tumbling back, and she wrote this astonishing tale of love, sacrifice, murder, death, and renewal. She later found many points of confirmation of her story. <laughs> Now, I scrolled That's down, good. I, I scrolled down looking to see if Garth is aware of this book, and apparently the only quote he's ever made on the record is, someone needs to explain this book to me. <laughs> uh, is the cover of this book a pleasing lilac? Yes. Is the cover of this book also the author of the book hugging uh, Garth Brooks, I guess, after a concert at some kind of fan meet and greet? Also, Yes. Is there a quote on the back? Is there a blurb on the back of the book praising the author of the book from a man identified only as Barefoot Doctor? Also, yes. Yeah, I think I'm most interested in the uh, the quotes on the back. There's one by a person named Vicky York, who I've Googled that name, and I there's a porcelain artist specializing in uh, hummingbirds named Vicky mm-hmm. York. That's her. That's her. There's a, a real estate agent in Delaware. Could the be the guy, same person. The blurb on the front cover, which says, whether you believe in past lives or not, it's a fascinating read. I found every page exciting and exhilarating. And this is the end of the quote. It's just the entire sentence. Must reading. <laughs> <laughs> and the quote, the quote is from Yuri Geller. Do you remember that name? No, I don't. Yuri Geller was a 1970s magician, illusionist, and spiritualist who I think was pretty well known into the 80s and into the 90s. He's the guy who used to go on Johnny Carson and bend spoons, right? Like he would say, I'm just going to bend it with my mind. And 
they would they would bend. And Carson embarrassed him on national TV by being like, "Hey, why don't you bend these spoons I have?" And he's like, "These spoons are sinister and evil. I cannot bend these spoons because he hadn't like weakened them ahead of time, right? They weren't Yuri Geller's like play spoons. Yeah, this is the con man who found souls don't lie, a st- true story of past lives by Jenny Smedley, to be must reading. Like this was already amazing when it found out someone had self published a book of Garth Brooks fan fiction and actually gotten it into a bookstore. But then once you realize it's some kind of grift, it it just takes on a whole new level. So it looks like this book, do we have any idea when this was published? Not a clue. It looks like the author, Jenny Smedley is uh, on Twitter. Oh, good. Tell her to come on the full cast. Yes. So absolutely do not do this. Going to be clear to our Follow her from the full cast account. Oh, cool. All right, we're going to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah, there we go. Thank God for my hot wife, who I knew in another life. Oh, she's uh, British. Okay. Under the name. Did you see the name of her in a past life and the name of Garth Brooks in that past life? I did not. Ryan Fitzgerald. Hmm. Her Twitter feed is a lot of retweeting Brian May talking about a cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. She, her website identifies her as an award-winning angel expert. That's pretty good. We need those. I found some of her art and a petition to make offshore wind farms connect to the grid. Wow. So she's an environmentalist. So we're all reading this, right? Oh, immediately, but after I get done looking at this art. Let's yeah. Is that, is that Emotions Era My- Mariah Carey? It is. Okay. She has paintings of tree nymphs. Mm-hmm. This is all good. This is all good. This is good what? content. Oh, my God. She ever she has another book. Is My Cat Psychic? Answer, yeah. All cats are psychic, right? Yeah, they just don't tell you. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is what, just an article. I would advise full cast listeners to, you know, just just leave this person in her in her in her current natural environment. Observe her from afar. I think. Yeah, um, do not at this woman. Yeah, please, please leave this lady alone. She's do she's, not harass she's projecting, this woman. She's brought us enough joy. She's projecting angel energy into the world, and she needs to be allowed to continue that, uh, mm-hmm. just as she is. Also, to be clear, I one thousand percent support anyone who wants to write a book about how they romanced Garth Brooks in a past life. And I will read any and all submissions from the audience. I'm most interested in the murder part that was mentioned on the back of the book. That is mm-hmm. uh, when we read this, that's probably the part I'll focus on the most. Like, is she defending a uh, uh, pre Garth? Also, uh, if this is like a Les Mis scenario, is Trisha the Javert? <laughs> you know what? Trisha would find you. I'm telling no. So that's I trust that she's gonna get on. She's gonna get on her cap, and she's going to get out her detecting tools, and she's gonna find you wherever you are, Garth. Mm. It's gonna Yearwood happen. Yearwood does sound like a very detectivey name. What Trisha Yearwood? Yeah, come on, man. That's like an entire series. Somebody anyway, should write. Thank you for coming to this first episode of the Shutdown Full Cast Book Club. Uh, full cast, full bookshelves. Um, please at me with any further instances of Garth Brooks historic fanfic historic only that you may find. Thank you. What about future based 
I'm going to have to be very selective at first. I imagine we're going to get a lot of entries. We are open to expanding to future FIC, uh, but that's, that's not on our docket at this time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. Mm, I have a segue because <sighs> in talking about past lives and reliving them, we asked you, the readers, this week to talk about... That was a really good segue. You could have just said that without I have a segue. I always have to explain the joke, don't I? Mm-hmm. What is your most rewatchable college football game? This was the topic that we asked everybody today because we wanted to ask this and then make sure we got it right because there are a couple of games that I think are always mentioned. Just um, I'm just going to pull one off the top of my head. Um, the one where Alabama had a second put back on the clock to lose. I'm going to take that. Right? That's an all-timer. Uh, the 2006 Rose Bowl was the one that was mentioned in the tweet. That would be the one where Vince Young finishes uh, across the line at the last minute to beat USC and win a national title for Texas, thus earning Mac Brown, like, all the money. Like, all the, just so much money. So much money. I don't have the rap soundboard. I'm sorry. That's okay. Everyone just heard it in their head. Um, Or Boise, Oklahoma. And I believe the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. That, these are all like obvious ones. But we wanted to dig a little bit deeper and also filter out some of you smart asses who would automatically put in things like, woo, Iowa, Iowa Penn State 6 4. You're never rewatching. Yeah, that. don't write into this show trying to make yourself look smart. This is not the platform for that. I think it's the, your efforts appreciated. We get it. You know, we, y- y- well, and, and an opportunity that the three of us will have that our listeners probably didn't have is to lay out our own criteria for what makes a rewatchable game because I imagine they differ. Ideally, oh. they do. I think the reason this struck as sort of a good topic for this time of year, specifically, the NFL draft is over. Fall camp doesn't start for months. There is nothing happening in college football. Uh, and it's the time of year when, you know, hopefully you're taking vacations and so forth. Coaches allow themselves about 45 minutes of vacation. So shit, why not you as well? Um, it's a good time of year where if you want to stay engaged with the sport, you're researching historical stuff, you're going back and reliving games you might have missed, games you loved, maybe games you hated from a fresh light. Um, it's it's just a good time of year all around for rewatching stuff. We we just rewatched twenty one comic movies and then saw a new one and then immediately rewatched it again. People just sit and and it's 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 nostalgia season. And Hang on, y'all. My dad made me some potion to put on this thing. Angel potions. I really do have a bite from an unidentified critter on my arm. Mm, that's ten. That's ten. That's that's Tennessee as hell. I don't know what bit me, but I'm gonna find it. <laughs> I was just. Distracted because we, I was. This is very full cast. I was just because at the time of the of the injury, we were frying fish on an outdoor gas hibachi that has had the regulator ripped off of it to increase the flame that God. we have then set atop a picnic table. Smart. It is my mother's birthday tomorrow. But nothing, nothing less than the best and most unregulated of flames. Correct. For Miss Nancy. There is no burner hot enough for our love. Just a the, glor- glorious Olympic flame. For so my I, mom. So I think sort of 
focusing in what we mean by rewatchability, not the obvious shit. Like, yes, Appalachian State beat Michigan, and it was an awesome game. Appalachian State beat Michigan, uh, in case anyone has overlooked that fact at any point. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, that's good. That's that's high on everyone's list. And, you know, um, it, M- Michigan also played a 0-0 game against Northwestern known as Moon. Again, we'll use these two Michigan games as sort of the bookends to say we're not going past either of those. Let's find the weird oh. stuff in the middle that we would like to rewatch. I will. I would like to start with one that is an unquestioned classic, and I say that for a lot of extremely shut down full cast reasons. It involves a random act of nature. It involves uh, not one but two coaches who pass the. Oh yeah, that guy ran a program for a long time. How'd that happen? Test. Uh, and it passes the dudes we like to say name, like we like to say their names because you go, oh man, he was great. And I'm looking at his stats and he actually wasn't, but he was great. But I can't tell you why it was great. That would be at the suggestion of Brian O'Sullivan uh, at Sullivan 0 the 2000 Independence Bowl between the Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Texas A&M Aggies. Two, oh, that's a spicy choice. Man, what what is greatness? Okay, two seven and four teams. Okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, you're gonna come. You're gonna come a little further down this path with me because uh, it was the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Something weird always happens there. How weird? Um, this time I'm gonna lay it on you. Snow, a snowstorm, a driving snowstorm. That was merely blowing gently before kickoff, might I remind you, in Shreveport, Louisiana. (laughs) But then ultimately blowing with such force that it turned the entire field into a white blur. Do you know know what, what, what the problem with that was? Besides footing and Southern boys playing in a driving snowstorm. I wish you'd tell me. Well, surely oh. both teams were wearing like uh, at least some dark elements to their uniforms. Mm, you know, one one might assume that, so you could spot them. Uh, that would not be what happened. Mississippi State, per tradition, by the way, two co- kind of like I don't want to say Texas A&M star-crossed because they've been good, right? But they're uh, they're I think a, a historically frustrated program, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to championships, they're kind of incels. <laughs> oh, you're gonna get some emails. Please send replies to this uh, to this assertion to at thirty eight Godfrey. At thirty eight Godfrey, right? Whereas Mississippi State, they just strike out. Like historically, the the uh, accursed franchise that enjoys their time in the sunshine because it happens once every thirty years or so, right? And which team was wearing white uniforms in a driving snowstorm? That's right, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Clanga. Clang a baby. I really like the these games that have somewhere years after the fact an element that you can go back and add in that makes it even uh, funnier or better or or more epic or more interesting or whatever in hindsight. And for me, that's um, Texas A&M later joining the SEC, developing a yearly series with Mississippi State. Mississippi State breaking out all white uniforms in honor of this game, and A&M saying, "No, we're." We're, we're not participating in that shit. We are not acknowledging that we played you in the Independence Bowl. I mean, but can I also do this? Not only did it, it was it a driving snowstorm with one team wearing white, that team won. 
And that team won in overtime, in part because an extra point was blocked and Mississippi State grabbed it, returned it, and it during the return lateraled the ball in a in a snowstorm to uh to tighten the game up and lead them to OT. This was nuts. And the winning quarterback, nine for nineteen with seventy one yards and a pair of TDs, baby. Efficiency. Wayne Madkin, SEC West legend. Probably the most wins for somebody who didn't throw for 100 yards in the history of the conference. Wayne Madkin. Love that dude. Holly, did you have anything high on your list? I've got one that has an, that has an emotional component to it. Just, just in general, if I'm, if I'm sitting back and, and rewatching a game, I find, or if I'm saving games in the DVR and I go back and find a unifying thread, it's, it's the high scoring ones. Like I don't want to, I don't want to wait around or have to zip through entire quarters. You know, I want something, these are, these are kind of background for me, right? I want something interesting happening on the screen whenever I kind of look up and the 2014 Baylor TCU game holds a special place in my heart for several reasons. Um, The first one being it was, uh, there were, there was just a lot going on that week. But I, I have a special place for this one in my head because I remember it was a Friday night game. And it was, it was kind of early on in our, in our lifespan of love for the Friday night games by which we were, by which I mean we were all kind of like, oh, God, the Friday night game. And I remember I was at, I was staying at a hotel. I think I was covering a Georgia game and I was in the shower. And I got out and I think I had missed like seven touchdowns. uh and i that just that that kind of stuck with me as like you know ducking back in to brush my teeth and hearing and and swallowing toothpaste hearing what again because you can just kind of hear the cheers percolating through the bathroom door or whatever um but that's that's one that i'll that's one that i'll put on just any time i see it cross because there was just, I remember there, it was one of those nights where everybody just got giddy. It was a Friday. There was not a whole lot going on. And yeah, I'll watch, you know, what, 120 points being scored on TV. Yeah. And also, also when you score that many points, both teams win, right? Correct. <laughs> like, no, the, the idea of losing becomes irrelevant. It's just, okay, I don't know. Someone's going to run out of time. These guys are awesome. I'm just going to watch. And also with that one, that's another one where the historical hindsight adds some stuff to it because this really launched that rivalry, mm-hmm. which had been kind of simmering for a while. And like, uh, it was uh, essentially the most important game of that entire season other than the big 10 championship. Like, yeah, that's, that was going to be my next, my next spring up. Then you kind of, you play that forward and Oh boy, this one had the Macon's. Also, 21-point Baylor deficit in the fourth quarter. I'm going to... uh, Because what people forget about this game is that it ended on a field goal attempt. Yeah! And this is... Hang on, my favorite quote. Sorry, my favorite quote. One more time. Bryce Petty, at the end of this game, after leading his team back from 21 points down to a tie and handed over to the kicker, Bryce Petty gets up on the podium after the game and goes, I don't think I could play kicker. That's too much pressure. <laughs> um, in a related note, 
as referred to and reminded by uh, F. Patrick at the Timid Donut. That's a superb handle. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, he recommends uh, Patrick Holmes getting 800 yards by himself against Oklahoma and still losing 66-59 in 2016. There is a joy in this game, and I will refer you to it so that you can watch it and, and not miss a single second of it. The camera and the producers, they start picking up Mike Stoops real quick. Real quick. Because that night, Mike Stoops, the brother of Bob Stoops, they, uh, they pick him up right when I think they go over the 400-yard mark, which is sometime in like the second quarter, I think. If I'm if I'm correct, they both teams had the same number of yards, which is one of those extremely spooky things. Eight hundred and fifty-four each, and and Patrick Mahomes by himself, right? He accounted for something like I want to say nearly eight hundred yards of offense by himself. Eight hundred and nineteen. Eight nineteen seven thirty-four through the air. The all-time NCAA record for individual offense. Yeah. Uh, it came pretty good. It came just shy of being the highest highest yardage game in NCAA history, any division. Yeah. Like uh, it, it it just tore apart the record books. This was the epitome of Big Twelve football. Uh and I think like I mean, you look back, this was what, the twenty eighteen NFL MVP versus NFL rookie of the year, right? Yeah. I, I might have that wrong. But like sure. this game it it, it 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 has gone from being the ultimate Big Twelve shootout to being like you know, quite possibly the NFL within the next few years, quite possibly the NFL's two biggest stars, the time they met in college. And it was everything you could possibly hope for. Yeah. And this goes both ways, by the way, like Baker Mayfield is out there. Baker and Patrick together have that, uh, Brock Lesnar undertaker energy where they're just looking, sitting on the mat, looking at each other, laughing maniacally. Like, (laughs) watch me. Watch me. And Baker Mayfield's performance is actually just as impressive because Mahomes throws the ball 88 times. 88 times. And he gets 734. Baker Mayfield has 545, and he only threw the ball 36 times. Just bombs, baby. Nothing but nonstop bombs. Diddy Westbrook had 200 yards receiving. This game does not let up. And it's actually kind of hard to watch because they do start blurring into each other. That's how little defense is being played. Wait, I think I mixed up my Baylor TCU games. I don't think this was the Friday game. I think this was the midseason game. This wasn't week one. If it was 2014, I recall that being on a Saturday. I'm talking about the 24. It's definitely the 2014 game, but I remember, I think I'm misremembering that as a Friday game because it was. I think you might be thinking of, of TCU Baylor on a Friday night, which was also bonkers. Uh, yeah, I like I'm I'm I mixed I mixed up my different TCU Baylor barn burners, but anyway, I'm pretty sure this one was on a Saturday because I'm definitely thinking of the year they got shut out of the playoffs. <laughs> Life's funny, and the Big Twelve is not. Beyonce, Ariana Grande, and Drake are talked about ad nauseum as celebrities, but there's one thing that's rarely discussed: their music. On Switched on Pop, we go deep into the sounds of pop music to explain what it means, how it's made, and why it's so effective. We talk with some of today's greatest artists, producers, and journalists to decode the musical logic behind our modern soundtrack and understand its role in our culture. 
Switched on Pop will reveal for you how a secretive Swedish producer is behind many of the top 10 hits of the past 20 years. And we'll uncover the ways that songwriters embed their political activism into today's most popular tracks. We'll show you the surprising musical similarities between Cardi B and Taylor Swift. And we'll even dive into the classical past to hear how the Jonas Brothers mirror Mozart's youthful party days. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Join us on a journey through the world of popular music by subscribing to Switched On Pop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app to get new episodes every Tuesday. Jason, you got one? I think 12 is pretty Anyway, fun. I regret the error. Y'all, y'all keep going. <laughs> I think here is another example of one that at the time the internet, it, you know, it stole the internet's attention completely. Everyone was watching this game and it has since gotten even funnier. I do not recommend you go back and watch this one, but I just want to mention Virginia Tech Zero, Wake Forest Zero, End of Regulation, Frank Beamer meme. This was recommended by Robert White 14 on Twitter. This falls under the uh, sarcastic rewatch, but thing I want to point out, this was a WikiLeaks game which means Virginia Tech needed help to produce 0-0 at the end of regulation. Thank you. Uh, let's see. One I really like from, uh, I'm going to try this name, Yale Park or Yale Park, probably. Cello Yale in uh, Tempe recommends Oklahoma State, Iowa State 2011. A great game, Friday night game, Friday night in Ames. Uh that has only gotten more epic in hindsight. This was essentially the game that killed the BCS. This is the game that kept Oklahoma State out of the title game. And within months after the season's end, they were already coming up with names for the playoff. Um, in and of itself, it's a great game. It's an epic game. But like its context within college football history, uh, I mean, I don't. maybe it gets overshadowed by LSU-Bama round one and LSU-Bama round two, but... Um, I would absolutely rewatch this game right now. I would, I would, yeah, I, as much as I love high scoring, I absolutely would too. There are a couple of, uh, Cam Newton games on my list. Uh, and I was reminded of my personal favorite by Amos Moses at James Jones 55. He recommended 2010 Auburn, Arkansas. Even if I still want to murder Ted roof in the third quarter, that's the full, that's the full Ted Roof experience. If you got it, you understand. If you don't, you know. If you know, you know when it comes to the Ted Roof experience. That game was all kinds of drugs. Man, that game, listen, <laughs> the, the Arkansas was leading, all right, deep into the second half when Auburn going into the fourth quarter just drops a 28 spot. I absolutely love and I will rewatch any game where a team decides at the very end to not just take control of the game, but to swat the person off the top of a tall building. And that's exactly what Cam Newton does at the end of this game. I'd watch the same also 2010 Auburn, Alabama, the cam back. Oh yeah. Watch that whole thing over again. That final in the game, by the way, 65, 43, occasionally, occasionally y'all the sec West, if Alabama's not involved, they just get loose. It happens. Yeah, all the SEC stereotypes basically to apply to like Bama's defense, LSU's offense, Florida's offense, and that's it. Everything else gets really stupid. And parts of Arkansas in weeks that you can't predict in ways that are never good for Arkansas. Never. Yeah. That's or, all. Or, or at least entertaining. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my god. I would I would also completely rewatch as as at keep it up guys, aka Jake recommends. People forget the 2017 Iowa Hawkeyes 55, Ohio's Big Ten team 24. Go back and rewatch this. It is shocking how confused Ohio State's defense is. Wait, but we did get to rewatch this. Wow. It, it'll come back around again. Who do they play from the Big Ten West this year? Nebraska? Give it another. Yeah, it'll, it'll come back around again. Watching Greg Schiano's defense just come apart at the seams at the hands of it, it would be different if they had come apart at the seams, uh, you know, under pressure from a master craftsman, right? Like when Kellen Moore played the university of Georgia, right. Mm-hmm. For Boise state to open what I believe is the 2010 season, 2009, somewhere uh, in there. I think 11, 11. Um, you know, I was within three years. Uh, when they played to open the season and Kellen Moore was basically audibling at the line every play and hitting it was i was at that game were you i forget i remember yeah. we we all were and i remember a conversation in the press box about like how many unguardable white tight ends does this team have the the thing i remember though is watching like is is watching kellen moore play in week one like i think cerebral is probably the sports writerly word to it but when i say cerebral i mean you couldn't really see any of the moving parts on Boise. It was like they were all part of it was it was like they were all extensions of his limbs. Yeah. And there was just no there was I remember just no hesitation or looking side to side or really even like necessarily making eye contact between Boise players. Like they were they were playing like a hive mind is was, the thing I remember most about that game. It was like watching Groot play quarterback. Yes. Yeah, it was absolutely ter- it was absolutely terrifying watching him impale Georgia's poor middle linebacker. He made this call, like he kept calling a Texas route out of the backfield. That's a little angle route, and the poor middle linebacker did not know whether to go into run support or cover this Texas route. Like, like he called that audible like like maybe eight times in that game, and I thought he was going to cry. It was absolutely miserable watching what he did to that defense, which was, by the way. Physically superior to nearly everybody on the Boise State offense, and it did not matter. I would rewatch that today and laugh heartily. We had a lot of people recommend games from 2007, obviously. Uh, one that got recommended, I think, a bit more than I expected. Not that it doesn't deserve it, but just uh, I didn't realize that so many people enjoyed it that much as Mizzou, Kansas. Um, obviously... <laughs> This was a fucking uh, national title play-in game. Basically, there would be more one more stumbling block as uh, the winner of this game would discover. But uh, yeah, I mean, considering the circumstances, this game basically never, ever matters. And suddenly it did uh, as much as it possibly could. It's in Kansas City, where the, the center of the college football universe, Arrowhead Stadium. And it comes down to the end. Todd Riesing has a chance, you know, to go for a, a an eighty nine yard drive to get the win, and then you get the iconic image of him face buried in the turf. We still love him though. Um, you know, I, I I love that this game emerged from that madness as like one of maybe two or three truly iconic games from that season. I would also rewatch uh, like. 
for sure on the recommendation of um, on the recommendation of oh god I had it here pardon me pardon me uh, I would rewatch Ohio State Bama 2015 at the recommendation of at Riley Steele 11 because that is an ass kicking that is Alabama getting their ass dragged up and down the field. I know Clemson beat them by a larger margin, but I don't think a team has beaten Alabama up quite as badly as that Ohio State team. Ezekiel Elliott ran for like 200 yards, which is shocking. Is that the haunted downhill shopping cart game? Yes, that is haunted downhill shopping cart game. Different than the runaway beer truck game. Another game I would watch. West Virginia has several I would rewatch. That is undoubtedly one of them. Extremely West Virginian because they all ultimately end in tragedy. <laughs> and, what, and how did everybody? How did everybody come out of that game five years later? Oh. So if you take every uh, Nick Saban era Bama loss, let's go through them real quick. Uh, how many of those? <laughs> <laughs> it it won't take long, but we try. No, no, reader, it won't. How how many of those feel truly replicable? Like if these two teams played again, that's actually a great point. You know, like uh, well, for example, I, I happen to make a post listing them out. We'll skip the two thousand seven ones because, like, you know, it was for year one. Number those six, are great. No, no, no. Let's go through those. There's a there's a great one in there. Number okay. sixteen on the list is an easy answer. Uh, they beat LSU in twenty eleven. Well, we saw it happen in round two. You see, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like if mm-hmm. you beat if you yeah. beat Saban once, then uh, I I think I know which two thousand seven one. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, they lost to Florida in 08. Then they beat Florida in 09. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. you, you, we, we can skip ahead, skip ahead. But like, I think I think what Spencer's getting at is about the Ohio State one. Is that is one where they they suited up, they met again. Ohio State wins again. You know. Oh oh yeah, no, like seven out of ten. Yeah, like if they, if they play uh, Steven Garcia again, they beat him by 20 <laughs> points. <laughs> I, you know what? I if, don't know. If they play I, Trevor I, Knight again, they beat Trevor Knight. I don't know about that South Carolina one, and this is why. Lattimore had 100 yards. Or no, he, I think he had almost 100 yards, and that was what opened everything up. Also, they couldn't guard, um, they couldn't guard their wideouts. Like they could not bring – like. Bama's like, well, we'll make you defend one-on-one. And Spurrier was like, well, about that. <laughs> Here, try that. Is that working for you? All like, right. like, you do the kick six game over again. What are the odds that that happens again? Mm, it would be yeah. funny if it did. But what are the and, – and even this past title game. Sure, yeah. Clemson might have won. But 44 to 16, you're going to hit all those third downs? You know, Bama's going to miss on all those third downs? The yeah. odds are slim. Right. So like Clemson might have won, but like that, no. The Ohio State one, I think that stands out as one where like that was no there was no deception. It could have been it was forty two thirty five was the final score. Could have been way worse for Bama. Yeah, because again, Clemson beat them this time by passing and passing primarily against one or two corners who could not keep up and by converting very long third downs. Go back and look at that Alabama Ohio State one. Ohio State straight beats their ass with the run game first. Also, this counts as our entire year of praising Ohio State. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Please make a note for your records. Do not add us. <laughs> we have fulfilled the quota. Uh, we will not be not be going back. Um, 
Have have we defended uh, LSU nine Bama six recently? We have not. I will because that game is fucking awesome. It it's, is, man. It's brutal. I will also take like I will take any number of of early two thousands Auburn LSU games where a kicker misses like five field goals or something, right? Like Colt David. I will take any of those games where they had to change out all the face masks and the score was something like ten to beta. <laughs> there wasn't, right, there wasn't even a number involved. Like any of those knockdown, drag out, hot as hell, miserable, like pain fests. I will take any of those. They're entertaining, and and to me, like Bama nine six, that's Les Miles' masterwork right there. There's what about one where like you would rewatch it, but only if you could like have recorded what the internet was doing throughout. You know what I mean? Or like where the Ooh. second screen where was where much of the entertainment was. The one I'm thinking of is Oregon, Florida State Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. this, this was recommended by listener Michael Hogue. Uh, and by host Spencer Hall. <laughs> <laughs> also, we know Ryan likes this game a lot, as does everyone else. So we'll, we'll throw him in. I was at well. this one too, and I did not get to do enough interneting, especially at the moment we're all thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think I was online because I was grabbing my own face uh, at, at the moment of the great pinwheeling to earth. Uh, and that's a regret. That is a regret I have. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm just going to like the, the great thing most people will remember from this game is Jameis Winston um, chasing an invisible shopping cart into the backfield. Right. Cause it was going to hit an invisible car in the parking lot. And you know, you don't want to leave a note and he, he fumbles and Oregon, Oregon, which it felt like Oregon had like 18 defensive linemen on the field every play. At least that's what it looked like. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Go look at the box score. The best part about this is second half. Oh, man. <laughs> the second half, 40. Oregon puts on 41 points. 41. That's 4-1 in the second half. And Florida State, Florida State puts up 7. 7, y'all. God, it's beautiful. That vaunted Oregon defense. Yeah, hey, that was an SEC crew call in that game. They'll remind you of that. Florida State fans are like, they had it in for us. I'm like, for 39 points? 39 before. Yeah, because if there's one thing we know about SEC referees is that they're always in the bag for Florida. Ah, you know what the – and by the way, the Rose Bowl parade, guess what the theme was before Oregon, a Pac-12 team absolutely skull-dragging the Florida State Seminoles by 39 points on national TV, guess what the theme of the parade was? Margaritaville. Yeah. No. That would be an amazing Rose Parade, and I just wanted to say it out loud. Thank you. Garth Brooks. Inspiring stories. Okay. <laughs> True. Valid. Our True. themes are all are all better than this. Uh, How? Just, what the fucking kind of a theme is that? Yeah, what? Inspiring stories. Well, well so what is it usually? Do they have a list? Is there a wiki of this? Wait, we should look this up. Rose Bowl parade themes. Well, parade themes. I'm like, Come since on, when is Pasadena yes, afraid of being? Yeah. Shit. Yes. All right. Uh, let's go reverse Kron. The power of hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. The melody. That's of That's actually a great Rose Bowl theme when you're playing Mark D'Antonio. Making a difference. Uh, Echoes of success. Was that a Notre Dame year? 
I was going to say, I'm actually going to match these up. You say, you say the theme, and I will say, I will find the game, and we will decide whether it matches. All right. What uh, about Pasadena's early unbroken years of It's Great to Be White? That's speak, Pasadena... Speaking of, the first one was patriotism. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I don't understand why they try and cloak it in, in other things. Like, Pasadena has not been shy about this in other ways. Let's see. Uh, how about Spencer? Can you give me a game for uh, kids' laughter and dreams? What what year was that? Nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. The nineteen ninety six Rose Bowl. Laughter. Kids and dreams. Uh, okay. Yeah, the laughter and dreams of kids. Oh, okay. Definitely, this is appropriate because it's forty one thirty two USC over. Number three, Northwestern. Wow. Yeah, because it's a dream that you would ever get to the Rose Bowl, much less win, which they didn't. Uh, let's see. Did you guys know that the Rose Bowl was originally founded to help fund the Rose Parade? Yep. Life's it, funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The number of people who ride hard for that parade is just astonishing. It's insane. It's enchanting. People sit and watch the shit. Like People wake up early to watch it from afar. I gotta see my I gotta see my roses People on get up to watch it. People get up to watch it like it's a noon Big Ten game. <laughs> Again, I watch I watch wrestling. Any critiques I have of anyone else's taste are null and void. Mm. Uh can we go nineteen sixty eight Rose Bowl? Wonderful world of adventure. Oh, oh, this is gonna be a funny one, I think, if it's what I remember it being. That's oh, the yeah. two thousand Rose Bowl when Wisconsin beat Stanford. It should be, but the actual 1968 competition was USC, oh, okay. USC 14, Indiana 3. What oh, a wonderful geez. world. Yeah, and by the way, uh, what a wonderful world. The running Wait, back Jason, is, what was the theme the year Syracuse went? Um, I want, real quick, that 1967 game, guess who the running back was? Is that OJ? That's OJ Simpson. <laughs> I would. Uh, I, I'm going to just go ahead and preload one for you here. Syracuse. Do we mean Illinois by chance? Yeah, that one. Uh, the that orange was, and blue one. That was 07, right? So it would have been 08. I think it was the game that was played on 08. So yeah. So it would have been 08. Uh, the yeah. 07. So that one is the passport to the world's celebrations, brought to you by <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spectacular. Uh, I'll give you my other favorite Big Ten uh, demolition in there, which the theme for this one would be Find Your Adventure, which is something <laughs> Iowa certainly did when they lost by a score of 45-16 <laughs> to Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. Wait, did that say Find Your Avenger? Because that definitely sounds like a Hawkeye game. That's <laughs> so this is pretty good, and it's something that I could uh, picture the announcer of this game saying... Uh, Vince Young to the corner. He's got it. It's magical. Which was actually the theme of the 2006 game. Yeah, per, per according to Wikipedia. This is this is amazing by the way. Like I somebody is paid to think of these, right? Like there's a branding oh, probably group. millions of Oh, dollars. there's a whole committee of garden club ladies that comes up with these. My favorite 1998 
Having fun with having spelled H-A-V apostrophe N. Having fun, a great way to describe the Washington State-Michigan <laughs> 21-16 game where Wazoo was robbed. That ain't Wazoo fun. Was, yeah, well, you know, they didn't have, they didn't even get a full having, which is a very Wazoo thing, right? Like, they're drunk. Use a contraction. How about uh, 1995, all caps, sports, quest for excellence. <laughs> this was uh, Oregon losing by 18 to Penn State. That's the John Boys game. <laughs> That's just sports. I mean, that all mark. sound like stuff. Uh, 1991, fun games. Uh, I do remember, John, uh, remember, you know, when they always set up like a little fake sports bar in the in the hotel for the Rose Bowl? And I remember, I don't even remember what the name, it's like the name of the sports bar at the Rose Bowl is Granddaddy's. And at one one year when we were there, I sent a photo of it to John Boyce, and he just texts back, where the score is always value to fun. (laughs) (laughs) Man, a sports bar named Granddaddy's is pretty dope. It was not. No, it should be, though, right? Like, it should have cribbage and... uh, Let me tell you who they were letting into this sports bar, and then you can decide how much fun it was. mm, I can imagine this. I have Mm -hmm. another bowl game. It is not the Rose Bowl. But it is, oh my God, it is a banger. Okay. If I, I'm just going to give you circumstances and you're going to tell me what it is because you're going to nail it. All right. Uh, one, a team coming back from being down 31 0 at the half. Oh, we're going to uh, the Alamo Bowl, right? That is correct. Oh. Was this the Gary Patterson shirt change game? Yes, sir. The Gary Patterson shirt change game that we know about. <laughs> I there's Lord knows how many shirts were actually changed in this game, right? Like Gary P might have just had like the constant like shedding like a shark with teeth. He might have just mm-hmm. been like replacing them. But Gary Patterson was soaked at halftime, went in, changed into clean clothes, and facing a 31-0 deficit, took the long march all the way back, blanking Oregon. In the second half, allowing zero points. Zero. Nada. Zip, zip, zero. To, to the Oregon Ducks to, to come all the way back, scoring 31 in regulation, and then winning it in uh, single OT? No. Double OT? No, this is a Texas size bowl, y'all. You got triple OT. A 47-41 win. TCU if I had been a player on this team and this had happened and I was on the field uh celebrating the win my head might have exploded this would have I would have broken down crying in a bowl game this is amazing also this is a walk-on quarterback do you remember the do you remember the starter in this game I'm sorry the 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 guy who had to sub because uh Javon Boykin was suspended yeah, I, I, but this is like every year. Your TCU is on like its ninth quarterback in its bowl game. Do you remember why Trevon Boykin was suspended for this game? Was this a DUI? Bar fight. Bar fight. Okay. At the bowl game, he got into a bar fight in San Antonio. First of all, bar that's dope fight as hell. At the bowl game, <laughs> that's dope as hell. <laughs> that's what I'm going to San Antonio to get the tussle. That's leadership. Damn it. That's lead exactly. That's that's a fighting spirit. Bram Kohlhausen, the immortal Bram Kohlhausen, put it on his shoulders, 
and it took him two quarters to get going, but led TCU back. I would watch that game. I might watch that game after we get off <laughs> this call. Uh, I said 2007 had two or three iconic games. Obviously, it's a dramatic undersell. I think another one that must be mentioned is LSU Florida. The um, it was like one of a streak of LSU Florida bangers which, this I, was was like, I was where, like man which which one Perry? yeah this was the one where lsu had to convert like 95 straight fourth downs 2007 converting i believe uh six or seven or five or six yeah they, they, they just converted it just just millions of fourth downs and and finished with big jay kester plowing ahead that was the best because i was at that game and it is still the best game i have attended in person and even walking out of the stadium, the result was completely irrelevant. Complete, like, like it was like, oh man, somebody, somebody's like, oh hey man, good game. And I'm like, yeah, that was a good game. That was great. No, good game because <laughs> you lost. I'm like, was there a result? Really? <laughs> are any of us here? It finished 28 24, but really, aren't we all tied going into overtime with, with joy? All of us? This is a classic, uh, this, like a classic game in so many ways. Um, it's a classic LSU game because, uh, with all the talent in the world in the backfield, they just gave the ball twenty-three times to a giant lunk-headed Cajun dude who was uh, displaying advanced male pattern baldness at the age of twenty-one. Jacob Hester. Why are you gonna bring that up? Because you could see it through his helmet. That's how bald he was, right? <laughs> Man, we're like, <laughs> we're glad. <laughs> okay. Okay. And he was like, you're just like, oh man, that guy's bald as hell. You can see it through the helmet. And I was right. Yeah, and Trevon Boykin allegedly cracked his girlfriend's jaw, but we were going to skip over that to make jokes. Oh, I thought it was a bar fight. It was a bar fight for the Boykin. Oh, that time. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was specifically confining the the, uh, part that was funny. Your football players, please stick to doing bar fights at the bowl games and not these other things. Yeah, just fight each other at bars. Yeah, festive bar fight where nobody really gets hurt. Good. Everything else bad. Don't do it. Right. Uh, Jacob Hester destroyed us that game, and it was amazing. And that was, uh, yeah, I think the total number of times that they went for it on fourth down. Yeah, so they were they were five for five. That's a cult of less game. That's a full like less miles is a sorcerer kind of game. Um, no regrets, by the way. Like if they went back and played that again. Uh, and I knew Florida was going to lose, I'd still watch it. It's the best game I've ever seen. A joyous experience all around. It is a lot of fun to rewatch games that you were at. Like The best game I've ever been to was the most recent Penn State-USC Rose Bowl from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of fun. to like the, the, the long, long, winding Saquon Barkley run all the way to the kick at the end. Um that's a game I would rewatch right now. Holly, have you ever been at a game and then seen it later on TV and gone, oh, man, I totally missed that, or that was way different than I thought? It, the I got to go back to the Georgia-Boise State game because seeing that from kind of the press box angle was way, way, way different than the ability to see that with overhead angles. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but it just again, it just served to reinforce the no. These people are all moving around like possessed ants in an ant farm. Yeah, because I, I remember I rewatched that game 
and it looks much calmer on TV, right? Like it looks more coordinated on TV. And in person, you can hear them and see them and go like, okay, do this. No, no, we're going to do this. Right. I would also recommend, um, if you can, any one of the Notre Dame-Miami games from the late 80s. PVM33, what's up? You, you recommended this? Any one of those games. Yeah, the one where they fought in the tunnel, uh, which I believe is the 88 game, uh, the Convicts versus Catholics series. Watch, watch any of those. They are delightful, especially because uh, Miami, uh, Miami, this is pre-celebration penalty rule Miami. So you get extended entertainment. You get, you know, you get dance breaks in the middle of plays. It's, it's ridiculously entertaining. That's about as far back as I'll go in terms of games. There is one game I really wish there was footage of, and I don't think there is a good copy of this game. But if somebody had this game, I would watch it, like, right now. All right? And that would be... That would be Arch, the 1969 Archie Manning game against Alabama. Do you know what Archie did in that game? Like, remember, like, no, Archie. I'm, I'm about to. Um, this was a prime. This was a, a. This was October. It was. Uh, it was weird because they actually put it on national TV and it didn't start until late. I don't think it started until like 10 p.m. Eastern. Right? So please imagine this, by the way. America drinks a lot less than it used to. Imagine Alabama Ole Miss 1969, uh, a kickoff that doesn't happen until 10 Eastern, 9 Central, right? In Oxford, Mississippi in 1969. There's a lot of people who don't know how to act at that point, might not even realize they're human. All right? The final of this game, I believe it's 33 32. And Archie Manning, I mean, most people, if they go back and look at Archie Manning and they think about Peyton and Eli, fleet of foot would not be the word for it. But this is a game in 1969 where Peyton Manning, I'm sorry, where Archie Manning throws 52 passes. He has 436 yards. He has two TDs. He runs for 100 yards on just 15 carries, and he scores three times. So think about it, like in 1969, dude has 540 yards total offense. He has five TDs all by himself. That is, and, and that was the first time anybody had done it. And he did it in 1969 against Alabama. I think the oldest games that I might go back, like, like it would be, you know, it would be cool to sit down and watch at least a little bit of like the very important old shit, the 1945 Army Navy and the old Notre Dame Michigan State games that decided titles and all that, all that shit. But like, I think the oldest one I would actually that would actually be watchable would be like Barry Sanders's games, even though you'd probably fast forward through when Oklahoma State is uh, on defense. But oh, dear any, anything before that, I'm probably man, going to be pretty. You want high. you you want the '88 edition. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want the 1988 game because that's the game that finishes 51-48 in OT. And that's the one where the Sooners have to come back in the fourth quarter. And I think Barry finishes with an obscene, obscene amount of yardage. Like, I I will have to look it up. He, he has, yeah, he had 215 yards 
in that game. And every single run, by the way, is jaw-dropping. Like, he, he puts two dudes on the turf just juking them on every carry. It is nuts. Um, and that team, by the way, just if you forget, Barry Sanders backed up Thurman Thomas. Oklahoma State had nothing but fire in that backfield. Nothing. And and Oklahoma State had a wide receiver with one of the best damn names I have ever heard. Mike Gundy throwing two Hart Lee Dykes. Hart Lee Dykes. Wide receiver out of, out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, the 88 game is the one you want. You can watch, like, I've seen, like, an abbreviated version on YouTube. I'm saying I want all the Barry Sanders games. All That's of them? fair. That's fine. Yeah, there's the, like so. If we're looking here, uh, just comparing what he did versus what teams gave up on average, um, it jumps out that the A and M game might have been special. The Nebraska game might have been special. Like these are ones where he was like um, putting up far more than like these were good defenses or at least decent def- defenses, and he was lighting them up for almost 200 yards. Um, my favorite stat is Wyoming usually allowed 118 rushing yards per game and Barry hit him for 222 all by himself. That might be a good one. Texas Tech, of course, had a shitty defense, so he ran for 332. Sure. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll go with Barry Sanders versus Texas Tech. Any era, any Texas Tech defense ever. That Let's just sick Barry Sanders on him and see what happens. Hey. Holly, do you have one that's just like your pick where you go, listen, I don't know if anyone else would take this one, but I would rewatch this one for fun. Mm. Not off the top of my head, but it sounds like you do. I'm mulling between I'm mulling between two. Um and the one I will watch because I think it just had the best like this is purely sentimental on my part. And I'm gonna take it because uh, the joy that I feel even thinking about this game is is radiant. Wasn't Florida's the best? The thing season? that I was going to ask is if there is there a game that you want to rewatch, even though it turned out badly for your school or concern? Yeah, yeah, I think there are a couple. Like I would rewatch 2007 LSU Florida. Like that, mm-hmm. that's the obvious one that we've already talked about. But I would also rewatch. I would rewatch any of our games against LSU where LSU pulls some insane shit. Right, like the John, mm-hmm. like the uh, the Les Miles bounce pass uh, field goal, fake field goal. Like I would totally watch that. I would watch. Um, it was it was a brutal brutal game, but I would rewatch the 2001 Tennessee Florida game. I'd watch honestly. I'd watch. <laughs> I'd watch. I'd watch the 98. I'd watch the 98 game too. Because both of those um, games are just—they're they're, so—they're so tense for me. Man, like if they, you want to talk about—if you want to talk about games that no one else would pick, I've kind of got to go with Lane Kiffin beating Steve Spurrier on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was mad. Oh man. Oh, was... that man was real mad. And they had ordered black uniforms for the team, but they hadn't come in in time, so they were wearing, like, practice uniforms that looked like trash bags, basically. Yeah. And, oh, man, yeah. And they beat Spurrier. And, um, yeah, yeah, Lane Kiffin is is undefeated all time versus Steve Spurrier. You may have heard that. And regardless of my feelings about both men, that's hilarious. 
No, that's the light. Jason, do you have one that you're like, listen, this may not be for everyone, but for my refined palate. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I know this entire fan base would pick this game, but um, so so in the 80s, early 90s, before Florida State came around, the ACC was pure shit. It sucked. Um, you can go back and run the numbers. It was absolute ass. There were years when it really did not deserve to be considered by modern terms a power conference. So an ACC conference game, Boy, it better be a fucking banger. Um, 1990, this is my first year really, really being introduced to 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 football. Like, I watched a little bit of it in 1989. Um, but I remember 1990 was like, okay, I'm indoctrinated into this thing. I am a fourth-generation Atlanta, and I have been handed Georgia Tech as my team. Um, mm. Ranked number 16, going to Charlottesville. Virginia's number one. Herman Moore, like... Uh, <clears throat> and this game comes down to comes down to a field goal at the end. Tech wins, undefeated, you know, on course for a national title, and then they jump all the way up to seventh. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the ACC was total shit, and they validate it by uh, uh, beating Virginia Tech six to three the next week. But yeah, just that that indoctrination into the sport of oh, cool, this team I've been handed just kind of won a national title that's cool and weird everything will be fine from here on out i'm sure my teams will win lots of championships so that was a little bit of, <laughs> of <laughs> i have gone back and watched this georgia tech virginia game at least parts of it several times um just what a weird thing to have happen um i will also i will follow up 90 the 1999 edition of georgia georgia tech that finishes 51 48 an app just a a bonkers game absolutely nuts like th- that georgia tech team by the way played a couple of those like especially when they got into it with clemson uh and oh yeah no this is that game is is deranged i think in the the private stock division where you go here let <laughs> let me let me show you something let me show you something my tastes are unconventional <laughs> right when you come in when you come into the dungeon with me and I share my secrets with you. Okay, I didn't. Okay, it, it, <laughs> that took a bad turn for all Spencer's of us. On I'm very sorry. See, I'm very this, sorry. This about sounds that. like this sounds What's like we're feelings? going to like a six-four type game, but no, 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 no. It's, it, it's going to be even worse than that. No, it was. It, it was no. It's 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 fairly conventional, but it was the passion, uh, and the mounting like. Please rage. choose your words carefully. It was the mounting rage, mounting passion. Mm. Yeah, this is taking the, word, the next words out of your mouth better not involve the coach. I think they're going to involve 2007 Navy Notre Dame. God, oh, talk about mounting passion. <laughs> because this is this is this is when Navy. This is just when Navy, just four decades of pent up passion. Wait, oh seven. That's the that's the Ram Vila game. This is the Ram. That's bucket. the Ram Vila cruise missile game. Yeah, I'll sign on for that. Oh, oh, I don't know if I've like you know like, and I'm I'm remembering this because I did watch it on TV, and there are the moments where you know I can be very interested in a game, um, and you both watch games with me. I will like marking out for a team that is not my team. It's got to be a. It's it has to be something particularly special. I was screaming at the TV when this happened because Ram Vila, Ram Vila seals the game with a flying tackle. Like he was, Just like he flies like he's been launched out of a cartoon cannon. Yeah, 
like, like he hits one of those martial arts movies springboards. No, right? he looks like Wile E. Coyote. It's, it's magnificent and stops Notre Dame on a fourth and short. Uh, this is a game, by the way, where if you want, if you want to know the, the complete definition of, uh, of full hearts, clear eyes, two by four in the pocket, mouthful of kerosene, can't lose, this is a Paul Johnson Navy team. This is a triple OT game. And uh, this is a game where, uh, where Paul Johnson has to go for two and third OT, and they got it. Like, it's not even a question. It's just, oh, yeah, no, man, we got this. It also, as just a little, as just a little maraschino cherry on the top of all this, on this particular Sunday, um, this puts Notre Dame at one and eight on the season. Also, this snapped a 43-year Four. losing streak for Navy against Notre Dame. 43. I can't, okay, I know we did this right because I actually want to go back and watch this game right now. Oh, God. I yeah. Like, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go look for this game. <laughs> yeah, I, this is... This is oh. also right after we started writing together, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. This, is, this is the first time I remember... This is one of the very first games I remember watching with an internet community and just watching everybody lose their minds. Oh yeah, no this this is this this would have been a this would have been a a, a Twitter high water mark if Twitter had been around at the time. Navy, Navy high water. Yes, yes. An- waka anchor, waka. Anchors away, y'all. I like on the wiki page uh, Charlie Weiss, who was the coach of Notre Dame and who had recently got a big contract extension, if I recall correctly. That, Interesting. Uh, Notre Dame would continue paying for several years after they fired him for sucking. Uh, he was asked if. If uh, losing to Navy for the first time in, since 1963 was a low point, and he says a low point is when you get beat 38 to nothing. That's a low point. Uh, let's see. Did Notre Dame also pull that off this year? Yes, they did. That was the score against Michigan. So he was saying, Beautiful. look, things are looking up. And that was also the score against USC. <laughs> so you're I, telling us Charlie Weiss has always been like this. So Notre Dame had a lot of low points. The guy knows what he's talking about. I would. I, I want to close out on this. Patting the dirt. Yeah, let's do it. Are we? Yeah. Is, no, 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 is no, this like, the is this the Miami patting the dirt? Yeah. I mean, if we're going ahead, if if we're talking, well, no, you you can you can let your mind wander and select one from the catalog of fine beat him down. Oh no, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the title game that took place in Miami. <laughs> which one the path of dirt game is the bama notre dame title game oh god yeah that's uh, that is like that that is actually one that i went back and watched after sitting through it in real life because i was not able to absorb it all real life i had to do the same thing with like i sat through the the 70s the 70 point west virginia clemson orange bowl and I don't remember much of it because it was so hard to take in all of that. It was so hard to take in everything that was happening in real time that I appreciated the ability to pause and catch my breath when I got home. I, my favorite beatdown of all time is the Notre Dame Alabama one. Like objectively, that is just the, the, the complete, well, that first drive, if you watch the first drive, it's like watching somebody drive. Uh, it's like watching somebody try to tackle a truck at every position, right? They're like, "Why well, is the truck over here?" 
Then the point at which the Notre Dame line starts fighting itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like the most competition Alabama faced in that game was between AJ McCarron and the center. Barrett the Jones. one that played the violin. Yeah. And yeah, you, can, you can, you can zoom in and see uh, Notre Dame's defensive tackle start hopping around in joy. Like finally they're taking damage. Yeah. <laughs> He's hopping and pointing like, look, look, we did something. We made him real mad, y'all. We, we, were, we were adjacent when a Bama person got punched and hurt. <laughs> uh, 1997 Sugar Bowl between Florida and Florida State because the score uh, going into the half was uh, 24-17. This was following one of the dirtiest games in the history of this rivalry. Uh, Florida State beat Florida 24-21. If you watch it, uh, Peter Bulware, like you can hear the whistle go to end the play, and Peter Bulware immediately like kicks roundhouse kicks Danny Werfel in the nuts. Like just that's that's the whole game. It's just them Spurrier being so stubborn he doesn't want to line up in shotgun, putting him under center and getting Danny Werfel uh, put through every station of the cross right during that game just got him annihilated in that game they come out for the bowl game which is a rematch between florida and florida state boy that would be real popular now wouldn't it our system's broken these two teams have already played in what was then the bowl alliance championship uh and spurrier comes out in the gun and werfel gets the ball out by like two seconds like there's no it's just just go just every single go and in the second half, Florida State can't keep up with it. They score 28 straight points. Danny Werfel scored a rushing touchdown. I think he ran like a good 5-2-40 on, on his best day. He scores a rushing touchdown in this game. That's what mass beating it was. And this is the, this is the beat him down that personally I would watch right now. 